Lady, we should be out there snacking on bad guys. I am a predator. I need to be free. You have got to get control of your aggression, or you will get hauled off into Area 51. Live in my body. You live by my rules. I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. Please let me fix it. So I can break it again. You are a loser. Eddie Brock, I want to give you my story. People love serial killers. Please, why me? What's mine is yours. And what's yours? Is mine. I have tasted blood before, and that is not it. All I ever wanted in this world is carnage. serious couples counseling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And it is officially the start of Blocktober. One of the biggest, most uh, unusual Octobers in the history of Hollywood with basically a big movie premiering every week at the theaters. And that started this weekend with Venom, Let There Be Carnage. That will be my movie of the week. You will get my review and my thoughts coming up in the main event of this show in just a little bit. But wanted to update you a little bit on uh, everything else that's been going on. Uh, Obviously a slow September for those of us that work in the movie theater industry, uh, we finally got a jolt of life this weekend, and we certainly felt it as Venom opened to $90 million for the three-day opening, which is the biggest, and it's the the record now for, for the pandemic era. Like, that's the biggest opening, uh, and that means that there's still a craving, there's still a hunger for that movie theater experience. Venom, of course, a, a in-theater exclusive. It is not streaming anywhere, and... I'm not sure what the deal is with Sony. I need to double check on that. But I, I want to know what the exclusivity is of, of Venom Let There Be Carnage to the movie theaters. 
before it hits on demand where you can rent or purchase it uh, digitally. Uh, I think the, I want to say like the Blu-ray, the 4K will be released sometime in December, I think. But that's kind of like a new thing. Like it's been happening anyway. Uh, like I remember Joker came out like a year or two ago in, in October. And then by December it was already out on Blu-ray. So that part of it's not new. But I do want to know the specifics on, uh, for, for Sony at least. Because I know Universal and Warners, they're going with that 45-day exclusive uh well, at least for Warner's, it won't start till 2022, but Universal for sure, uh, 45-day exclusive window. Um, that's, a, that's a court, or at least 30 days um, if a movie makes above $50 million, which uh, I think the only one this year that did that was F9, the Fast Saga. So uh, I'm curious to see what, what, what the terms are for Sony, but huge, huge weekend for us at the movie theaters. For Venom, let there be carnage, and, and I think one of the understated things of why it made so much money is because it's a very short movie, and I'll get to that more in my review. But shorter movie means more show times to be added into auditoriums. I believe, like, I want to say we had like about three or four prints of the movie, and they each had five or six shows because it's so short. You can add that. Now it remains to be seen how that's going to affect next Friday's big movie. No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie with Daniel Craig and the final performance of that character. Um, that movie, with previews and everything attached to it, is three hours in length. So you're looking at less shows, but it's still a highly anticipated movie. Um, they're preaching like the conclusion of it all, at least for this version of it with Daniel Craig, who's been James Bond since I believe 2006 is when Casino Royale came out. So I, I want to see how the box office. I'm not expecting it to be as crazy at our theater as it was this past weekend, only because of you know shorter shows and more people coming in and out of the building. So I'm expecting a little bit dialed back, but uh, it still should be pretty bu busy, and that's that's great for our business. And uh, they're calling this Blocktober, so uh, it, it surely is going to feel like it. And what a great start, right? Ninety million. It beat out. Uh, Black Widow's opening of about $80 million, and then uh, September, our only hit was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which did about $75 million. So uh, Venom holding the record right now. It's a good sign. Uh, again, it kind of sucks that it's only the comic book movies making this kind of money, but, you know, at this point, it I'll take whatever we can get, right, as long as our industry survives. A um, couple of interesting movies coming up uh, later this month. Uh, one that I'm certainly looking forward to and is probably my most anticipated of this month, probably not of the year. That's probably going to be the Matrix Resurrections in December. But definitely in the middle of October, October 15th to be exact, so it's about two weeks away, Ridley Scott, he's got two movies coming out back to in back-to-back -back months. So the first one here is going to be The Last Duel with Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and Ben Affleck, and Affleck and Damon returning as... Uh, co-writers of the script and also acting in the movie so i'm looking forward to that medieval like movies set in that pastime are usually not my thing but you know i watched uh braveheart like about a couple of months ago and i got my juices really going for that type of movie even though like i have it has to be like a specific you know thing about it there's got to be a hook to it to make me want to get into it otherwise like you know gladiator i got into of course and again those are all ridley scott movies uh mine is braveheart but it's got that feel of it you know this just epic character drama 
but also, you know, incredible action sequences. So, uh, I'm expecting big things for this movie. Um, is the box office going to be there for it? It's going to be a good alternative to Halloween kills, but I mean, guys, come on. Like there's been, I don't how many Halloween movies, like Michael Myers never fucking dies. Like, I don't, I don't get what the appeal is of it. Like, I mean, it's Halloween, you know, the season and all that stuff. I get it, but you know, how many different things can you really do with these Halloween movies? And I'm going to watch it. You know, I saw the one in 2018, the revamp. I thought it was, it was, it was okay. It was good. Like it, it wasn't a bad movie. Like it was enjoyable, but you know, I, I need these other movies to survive as well. Like your horror movies are going to be fine. Your, your blockbuster action movies are going to be fine. Your Marvel comic book movies, those are going to be fine. But I need movies like the last duel to do really good so they can continue making them. Cause if not, Hollywood's just going to revert to doing all uh, just a bunch of IP stuff. And, you know, this is a really good opportunity. I think it's a good alternative. It's a good uh, combatant to Halloween kills. So I think you're going to be seeing a lot of, uh, you know, in the next two weeks, like a lot of adults coming back to the movie theater. Obviously, Venom this weekend with, uh, you can bring the family to it. It's PG-13. It's it's fun. It, it's, it's a fun, trashy movie. Again, I'm spoiling a little bit on my review, but I did enjoy it. But I'll talk about that more down the line. Um so yeah, I'm super pumped. I'm super excited. There's going to be a lot of content. There's going to be a lot of movies that I'm going to finally get to to watch and just you know start to review these things for you. I I, I did check out Shang Chi finally weeks after it had been released, and and I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was fine for what it was, but you know, and, and I'll get into the comparisons of uh between that and and Venom: Let There Be Carnage, but uh I, I did enjoy it. It was fine. Uh, I mean, do they 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 obviously have a new franchise on their hands with all the money that it made and and specifically for us at the movie theater it held up really well in terms of legs like it had a lot of repeat business it was basically the number one movie all of september so that just goes to show you not i mean not that there was much out there anyway but you know this movie could have easily died off and, and not done anything but this is also this you know it just goes to show you that people will check out stuff in a movie theater if it's if it's exclusive to it you know, you couldn't see Shang-Chi anywhere else but the movie theater. Uh, it'll be on Disney Plus, I believe, November 12th. But that helped, de- that definitely helped the case for Scarlett Johansson and her lawsuit against Disney. Um, and I'm sure she's like, you know, pulling into the ka-ching and, the, you know, she's giving herself a big hell yeah after the success of, of Venom Let There Be Carnage as well. And, and I think about that Will Smith meme where it's just like his arms extended out you know, pointing to something, you know, I imagine they should make something like that with Scarlett Johansson pointing to like the movie titles and and right next to each other would be Shang-Chi and, and Venom Let There Be Carnage and being like, look, look at all this fucking money it made at the box office and not hindering it by putting it on streaming as well. So, um, I think I mentioned this in a pod, uh, a couple weeks ago that, uh, Disney for the rest of its slate this year, uh, I think they're basically all going to be th- theater exclusives uh with that 45 day window um so you got eternals coming up in november that that's going to be huge just because you know i mean i thought the marvel brand would have stalled a little bit with shang chi but the fact that it's continued rolling and you know this thing's these are the movies right now that everyone's going to go see you know regardless of whether it's redundant or it's the same stuff regardless of how i personally feel about these things where i feel like they've peaked already but people are, are still, you know, going out in droves and, 
you know, people have their opinions on Venom, let there be carnage and, you know, whatever. It's two different types of comic book movies out right now that are showing some strong box office holds. But, um, yeah, no, those are the movies that are conti- going to continue to drive. Obviously, Spider-Man at the end of the year, that's going to be, you know, after seeing how Venom did this weekend, uh, I have no doubt in my mind that Spider-Man is staying the course. It's staying there in December. It's not going to move. And it's going to absolutely destroy come December. That'll be the biggest. That'll be the biggest movie of the year by far, and it'll be the last movie of the year. Big, big, big movie. Um, what else going on? A uh, uh, couple of fun notes for me, two specifically, and, and I got to mention this on the pod. Um, Rocky Four, the Ultimate Director's Cut, coming to movie theaters as a one night exclusive event. I believe it's going to be. Let me pull up my calendar here real quick. It's going to be November 13th or 11th. It's 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 either the 11th or the 13th. I know it's right there. It's going to be an exclusive Fathom event at the movie theater. It's If I read the report right, it's 40 minutes longer. Now, holy shit, folks. Like You guys think 40 minutes, ah, that's nothing. In movie time, that is a lot of chunk of movie. Now, either this thing is going to be completely different and again they released a trailer and you can see some of the new spots that were added like i know this movie like by heart like i know every beat of it i can play it in my head if i'm doing like an hour and a half like road trip i can play this movie in my head exactly how it starts every little beat every little cut so trust me when i tell you when i see this movie I know exactly where every new when and if a new scene pops up, I'm gonna know where it is because I just know it by heart. I already told Daniel Tucker we got to go see this together on on the big screen. I uh, got another buddy, Alex Moreno. Uh, hopefully, we, we we can all go check that out. And I'd love to do a pod with these guys and, and just discuss, you know, the Rocky legacy and and why I think Stallone returned to this one specifically to make this cut, like. It's crazy how we're seeing like directors now like getting the chance to really put their stamp and their visions. On, uh, I mean, obviously we saw earlier this year with Zack Snyder and the Justice League, and that needed it, right? Like because the other one was such a disaster. Now I wasn't like a lot of these angry fanboys on the internet, you know, uh, being toxic and just all these vile, disgusting things that some of these fans were either tweeting at. You know, whoever, the studio, directors, whatever, you know, they got what they wanted in the end, but they didn't need to go that route. So that when I when I troll on the Snyder Cut people, it's not it's not everybody. Right. Because I have a lot of friends that, you know, wanted this, but they didn't go about it like in a negative way. You know, they just bite their time. They supported it. They supported the actors, the director, the vision. But there's a lot of that toxic fan base out there and that's who i'm poking at whenever you know i take a shot at it so for my friends out there that think that i'm taking a shot at them too i'm not trust me i know who you are i know i know the good fans out there uh you deserved that snyder cut and you got it this year it was great uh you know i bought it as part of the the snyder cut uh or the the snyder justice league trilogy box set um it's a nice little box set that's uh, available. I think it's still on Amazon. It's, I think it's about like 80 bucks, And all the 4K movies are in it. Um, it was a nice little set. I had to get it. it it's a must for any collector, uh, especially if you're into physical media. So they got that right. And now you got Sylvester Stallone going back to revisit Rocky Four, And I'm interested to see if 
you know, you know, Stallone has done director's cuts before of his stuff. You know, The Expendables, I've seen the director's cut of, which was a, a little bit more. It felt a little extra, like it wasn't needed. But just again, going based off the trailer, and again, I, I can make somewhat of a, a little bit of analysis on it, just because I know that movie by heart. I know it. I know what it is, and, and it's short to the point. You're adding on 40 minutes to this. This is basically almost a two-hour movie now. And the little stuff that I saw in the trailer that was new, there was a lot of nuance to it and a lot of substance. And obviously Rocky Four, while arguably probably the most popular one of the entire series, for sure the, the most financially successful, like I think to this day, not even the Creed movies, uh, I, probably if you adjusted for inflation, but... Um, Rocky Four is still the most successful Rocky movie in the entire franchise. And it's so iconic. It's so, like, still in the pop culture consciousness. Um, nothing in the Rocky series has come close or looked anything like it. I, like, the way I look at the Rocky series, like, Rocky Four feels like its own little, like, self-contained island. Like, it's so different from all the other Rocky movies. Uh, it's incredible, like the how Stallone was able to just do different things with it. So I'm interested to see how he approaches this one. Whether you know you watch Rocky Four and it's cartoonish and it's so 80s and it's so montagey and all that stuff, but seeing these little nuances that were added in the couple of scenes that we were able to see in this trailer, I'm like, oh man, this looks like this looks more emotional because obviously the original cut is only 90 minutes, you know, just like Venom, let there be carnage. Like this thing just goes all the way through. Like it wastes no time. Like I think by the time, you know, you're like, you're already at the climax of the movie. And it's like, Whoa, this thing just started. So, uh, you know, it's not something that I need, but I'm certainly going to take it. You know, I'm, I'm super excited and interested for it and see folks like good fans are rewarded with stuff like me. I, I never thought in my wildest dreams, I would see Stallone, Go back to this. This movie's almost like I think it's over thirty years old. Almost, I think it's thirty-five plus years old. And uh, shit, like we're gonna get a whole almost brand new movie for this thing. It's gonna be reintroduced to a new audience. And I hope. I know it's it's a one night thing in the theater, and I, I'm most definitely going to either request a day off at work, or I'm definitely gonna work the morning shift because I I need to see this on the big screen. Um, I do hope that they release it as a physical media, uh, a 4K, a Blu-ray. I'll take a Blu-ray even, even though I'm super, like, spoiled when it comes to, like, God, I want the 4K version of this. And, and by the way, like, and maybe, you know, Geek Gab, I'll tweet them out. I'll tweet out films at home. Like, it's weird that they haven't, like, released a Rocky set, like, in the 4K format. Now we have one for all the Rambo movies. And usually Stallone's movies, like, They've usually made the transitions quick whenever, like, the new formats have come out. Like, I remember when DVD was a huge deal back, like, in 1997 um, when it first came out. Like, I remember, like, the Rambo movies and the Rocky movies being converted into that format, like, really quickly. And then when Blu-ray came out, again, they were quick to, like, it, it was one of the first franchises to get, like, a box set. So I'm wondering if they're going to wait for this uh, this ultimate cut of Rocky Four, the ultimate director's cut. And then maybe release some type of box set. If that's the case, uh, then it would have been well worth the wait, right? Because, you know, you're going to have like the definitive, you know, Rocky collection. You can add the Creed movies in there as well, even though they're trying to do their own thing, even though it's got Rocky in it. Uh, and then of course Creed 3 is out, uh, almost a year out next November. 
you could do a whole huge box set with it. At least, you know, I don't, I don't think Stallone has anything to do with Creed three. So you can do all the Rocky movies, including the new, uh, ultimate director's cut and the two Creed movies and do a huge, like 4k set. And I would be the first one to pre-order that thing because, you know, those are, you just, those movies are a staple of, of, you know, my childhood and, and still to this day, they're very influential and, in, in like how I, you know, approach life and all that stuff. There's just a lot of great themes in, in all of those movies. So yeah, I mean, Rocky Four Ultimate Director's Cut coming no, in November. Uh, gonna be checking that out and hopefully I'll be able to, to do a pod with, with Tucker and I'd love to get Alex Moreno on there. He's a huge Rocky fan. There are a lot of connections between him and that franchise and I've loved hearing his story uh, about all that. So, um, hopefully I'll get something in the works for that. And the other thing, of course, was Cobra Kai, uh, last week released a, a little bit more of a, an in-depth trailer of, of what season four is going to look like. Not a full-on trailer, but just enough to, to whet the appetite. Again, I'm gonna watch this regardless, right? So, I don't need a full, like, three, four minute trailer telling me everything that's gonna be on this show. I think it's like a minute and ten seconds, something like that. And it showed me just enough, just to, I mean, we had what, season three at the, right at the beginning of the year? And we're going to get season four on December 31st. So I already know I'm going to request New Year's Eve off. Uh, and maybe New Year's Day as well. Or maybe close New Year's Day just so I can binge watch the entire thing. Uh, it's become tradition in my household, in the Palacios household with my daughter and my dad. We're going to get together and we binge watch the whole thing. We did it with, uh, well, I did it with season one and season two. And then I caught up or I let them catch up with seasons one and two. Uh, we did that throughout the summer last year during, during, uh, quarantine and they got really into the show. Even my dad got really into it. And then of course, when season three came out earlier this year, we all binge watched it in like one night. So that was great. So it's kind of become like a little fun family tradition. I like that. So we'll probably do it again for, for season four when it drops on December 31st. Um, a lot of other stuff happening that I haven't really touched with you all on uh, in the wrestling world, like post all out is just, you know, AEW is just doing incredible things with CM Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole and Kenny Omega and just things are just rolling and rolling and rolling. And I just, I look forward to every single Wednesday and Friday night show that they put on. It's just, it's almost become like obvious that they're going to put on good shows. Like they're, they've reached that level where it's like, Okay, I don't think, yeah, they can put on like subpar shows and or not shows that that were as good as the week before, or you know, vice versa, whatever. But I know, all in all, I'm going to get a good wrestling show when it comes to all elite wrestling. So they are firing on all cylinders. I am invested in almost everything that's going on with that product. So a lot of good things. WWE, on the other hand, you've you've started to see them. Not retaliate, but they're at least aware that they're in a real fight with AEW. And you've seen them try a couple of things on their Monday Night Raw television. SmackDown, not so much because they really have the edge over everything in terms of ratings. Like, that's the highest rated wrestling show out of everything. So, nothing really to, like, panic and try to do stuff on there. But as far as Monday Night goes, like, Dynamite is super close to reaching raw like regularly like they've beat them a couple of times in the demo the main demo the 18 to 49 year old range like they've beat them twice already and wwe has finally like reacted to it 
You know, we've had uh, we have a new WWE champion, which I don't think I've talked about on this show, Big E, which was a long time in the making, long time coming. So happy for him! Like he's a he's a fun character to watch, and he's a decent enough wrestler that it's definitely a step up from Bobby Lashley, who's kind of like he's a powerhouse, but he's just. He, he doesn't really do for me much, like on the mic and all that stuff. At least Big E's a little more, a little bit more entertaining and out there, which he can make it watchable. And uh, they just had the WWE draft where they reshifted the rosters. And uh, if I'm Fox, I am so freaking pissed over how they did this because, like I said, WWE is not worried about SmackDown right now in terms of ratings. Right now, they need to focus on Raw, which used to be their flagship for over like. 25 years and now the shift is focused focused to smackdown being the number one show because it's on fox right a big like national uh channel uh more eyes and all that stuff but again they don't have to worry about doing much there because they're going to win the night anyway AEW's show on friday is on a really bad time slot i mean they're not even on at the same time as smackdown they're on afterwards and it's friday night it's usually date night Right now, this time, it's it's high school football and all that stuff. So people are out. They're not at home watching TV unless you're like a loser like me. I'm a total introvert. I'll stay in on a Friday night and watch. Um, but their numbers are not even going to come close to matching SmackDown. So they don't have to worry about that. So the WWE Draft and Monday Night Raw basically now is super stacked. And that's a good thing for us viewers because Monday Night Raw has been such a bore to watch because... It's the same matchups, it's the same people every week, and it's a three-hour show. So it's like you're seeing everybody like the exact same. Like they're not switching people in and out. And now with the way that they've stacked up Monday Night Raw, like you have the opportunity here. And I mean, again, I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, and I shouldn't, but they have the opportunity here to ro- ro- rotate people in and out. You know, you got Edge coming, you got Seth Rollins, you got Becky Lynch, you got Finn Balor, you got Kevin Owens, all of these guys that I loved watching on SmackDown. Now SmackDown has become like less, you know, interesting to me. Like I'm more interested in Monday Night Raw, specifically because of all those talents. And at the very top, of course, Becky Lynch. Like that's that's the girl I want to see, right? Other than Britt Baker, like Becky Lynch is is the number one, you know, wrestling figure in my life that I love to watch perform in whatever it is that she does. And SmackDown is supposed to be coming to San Antonio, Texas in December. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to get to go see Becky Lynch. And now she's over on Monday Night Raw. Now I don't want to go to SmackDown. SmackDown's like, they've got people, you know, Charlotte Flair is going over there. She's whatever. Sasha Banks, I love Sasha Banks. But is that enough to get me to want to go buy a ticket to see SmackDown? No, if it had Becky Lynch, it's a total sell for me. But now she's on Monday Night Raw. So Monday Nights just became more interesting for me again. But again, this is me giving them the benefit of the doubt, right? This is me like hoping that they're going to use these talents in the way I think that they're going to use them. But, you know, just going off of recent history and over these last couple of years on how they've botched everything, like I can't really pin my hopes on it. But the fact that they're all there on that show now, like it at least gives me more reason to want to watch on Mondays as opposed to Fridays. Like Friday, there's really nothing there for me. You know, Drew McIntyre moved over from Raw to SmackDown. Sheamus, I'm over it. <laughs> uh, Jeff Hardy, I think over the hill. Like, just reunite him with his brother in AEW whenever his contract runs out. Do something there, and then retire. I don't think he's. I don't think he's got it anymore. There's nothing really entertaining about Jeff Hardy anymore. Like, 
just the wear and tear on the body, man. Like just so much stuff uh, throughout the years uh, and all the crazy antics that he's done in WWE. But I mean, who else? I mean, Roman Reigns is there, but I don't care about Roman Reigns. Like he's he's more interesting than he was before, but it's not enough to be like a huge sell for me to watch every Friday night. I mean, I'll watch it, but I think it's going to start to become like Raw, where I'll just fast forward through all of it, as opposed to Raw, where I get I'll get my Finn Balor. My Kevin Owens, my AJ Styles, and Becky Lynch, and Bianca Belair is now going over there. I've become a real big fan of hers. Like she's doing great stuff. And then, <laughs> I mean, Edge and Edge is always doing something interesting. Like at least his promos are interesting. Uh, he's at least entertaining, right? Like it's watchable. Like Monday Night Raw has become more watchable again. Now, whether or not they do like good storylines and stuff, that remains to be seen. But it at least picks it up a couple of notches for me to watch again. So. That's what's going on on the WWE side of things. Obviously, they got their their next pay-per-view is going to be Crown Jewel, which is from Saudi Arabia. It's going to be on a Thursday. It's going to be like in early afternoon, like at noon, depending where you're at, folks. But, you know, the only match I'm interested in right now is um, the three-way for the women's, uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship, which is currently held by Becky Lynch, who's now on Raw, and Charlotte Flair, who's the Raw Women's Champion, who's on SmackDown now. So that's weird, but I'm sure they'll do the thing where they did last year where I think the, the the tag team champions were swapped from different shows and all they did was change the belts, which was dumb, but whatever. Um, but also, you know, from here until Crown Jewel, we're still a couple weeks away. Maybe Sasha Banks wins back the SmackDown Women's Championship and takes it over to SmackDown. And maybe... Bianca Belair gets a shot at Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch fights Charlotte Flair again and beats her for the Raw Women's Championship and brings that back over to Monday Night Raw. A couple of things they could do here in between uh, now and by the time Crown Jewel is over and then they can get these rosters set for the the split, you know, these or as Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez pointed out, like these rosters really aren't going to be like separate until like after Thanksgiving because Right after Crown Jewel, and that's when they say the the split's going to happen or when the rosters take into effect, the new rosters. Survivor Series comes up. And what's the theme of Survivor Series every year for the last couple of years? It's Raw versus SmackDown. So you're going to see people jumping on both shows to build feuds and matches. So, (laughs) I mean, yes, they're going to say that, but you're still going to be seeing people pop up everywhere. And, again, I'm all for it. I don't even think there should be a brand split anymore with another company on the heels of you, like just firing on all cylinders and then just keep growing and growing and growing. Like, why is there even a brand split anymore? Like, get rotate your people, get your entire roster, rotate your people on different shows, in and out. They can do it if they really wanted to. Like, I don't, I don't get why. I mean, and we all know what it is, right? It's Vince McMahon. That's 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 the the whole thing. But you know, whatever. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like blow a gasket over it or have an aneurysm, you know, just being super passionate about it. I just, I love professional wrestling so much, but again, AEW is giving me everything that I want. And, uh, you know, they're giving me the matchups, the storylines, just, it just, it's fun to watch wrestling again on Wednesdays. It's not this like, Oh, are they going to mess this up? Or, Oh man, how are they going to, you know, how are they going to ruin this storyline this week? It's like, no, like, Hey, it's like, it's like the old days, man. Like, oh, what the, I can't wait. Like, it's water cooler talk. It's become that. Like, um, me and my, my best friend haven't done a lot of, like, wrestling talk for, like, this much since, like, AEW really picked up steam. Like, we used to do it a lot, obviously, when we were younger and 
the Attitude Era and all that stuff. Even like during the Ruthless Aggression Era, we would, you know, it wasn't as good. But you know, now we're at a point where like, oh man, did you see Dynamite this week? Did you see what they did here? And oh, what do you think? What do you where do you think they're gonna go with this and all the possibilities? Like it's it's become it's water cooler talk again. That's what AEW has injected into the wrestling world is that it's fun to talk about it again. And it's fun to be excited about it and not, like, embarrassed or be like, oh, man, like, they really did this in a freaking wrestling show. Even though wrestling as a concept, the whole theatrics of it, everything is silly, right? Just like comic books and all that stuff. It's all silly. But, you know, we have our we have our fan bases and, you know, that's that. But, yeah, wrestling is uh, wrestling's cool right now. It's been on a... Uh, it's been a crazy ride these last couple of months, but the movies, we're finally going to get to it. I think from here until the end of the year, there's going to be something almost every week. So uh, good for our business. I just hope the people continue to show up uh, week in and week out. I don't I don't need freaking huge ass like Venom weekends like the way we had. Like we had our work cut out for us this weekend. It, it, was, uh, it was rough and tough, but I love my staff and they were incredible and they did such an amazing job. Um, I'm so very, very proud of them. You know, I, I could not ask for a better crew in the 15 years that I've worked in my company, almost 15 years that I've worked in my company. This is probably the best roster that I've ever been involved with. And I've worked with a lot of the greats in, in this, in this industry, at least we're, we're in the company that I've been in. I've worked with a lot of great people, but this roster that I have right now with my team is just, I think they're on another level and, you know, they, they make me want to be, better and i'm learning a lot from them each and every day and i hope i hope they're learning from me too so that's going to be uh it's going to be a continuing fun journey as you know we sort of try to get back to regular business like the venom thing this weekend like it just felt like the really felt like the old days like yeah we we had our black widow and shang chi and you know f9 and all that stuff come out this summer where you know it was busy but it's still like there was an uncertainty like this weekend felt normal like it felt like ah like Ah, oh, the old, the old days when we're getting getting slammed and lines everywhere, and you know, we're struggling to keep up with product because it's just there's just such a demand, and and I think that that's a testament to our, to our staff as well because people are coming back in droves, specifically to our theater. I mean, I can't speak about the other theaters, but you know, our audience continues to to grow, and and our our demo, you know, I hate to compare it to wrestling, but our demographic, like they're coming back to our theater, they love our our staff, our service, our, our food and our presentation. So I'm very proud of, of what we built there. And I hope it continues to grow with all the other movies that are coming out this year, but let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about venom. Let there be carnage. This is palace off the top rope. We'll be right back. Have you ever done one of these things before? Nope. Your enemy is my enemy. What is it? You don't know what this is. If we don't do this, there will be nothing left to say. Come on, Bond. Only in theaters. PG-13. Welcome back to the show and No Time to Die, starring Daniel Craig as James Bond in his final performance. We'll see how that goes. Three-hour runtime again. You know me, I'm like, I'm becoming like cranky, grumpy palace. I'm getting up there in age. I turned 35 this month. It's palace mania this, this, this month. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do something for my birthday. Probably not. I'm doing a lot of my, my stuff, uh, right now, 
like I'm going to check out the Patriots Texans game with my mom this weekend. So that that's going to be super fun. That's something we've been planning on forever. Even before the pandemic, she's been wanting to go see the Patriots play and me too. I've always wanted any chance to go see the Patriots play uh, is awesome. And I didn't get a chance to see Brady in his last time as a Patriot come down to Houston the last time. So um, it, it'll be fun to go see, check out Mac Jones and, and see how how this team now looks uh, live in person. So that's going to be fun. Um, another movie that came out th- this weekend before I get to Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and I need to talk about this because this is incredible, and I don't know how I waited so long to watch this. I've been told by so many people. Uh, not the movie specifically. I haven't seen the movie yet. The movie is The Many Saints of Newark, and that's a Sopranos prequel movie. Um but right now I am venturing on HBO Max. I have started my binge watch of the actual Sopranos television series. And my God, folks, it is as good as advertised. Like, it's been around forever, right? This show has started in 1999. You know, I didn't have HBO back in the day. Um, you know, you say back in the day, but it really, the 99 really was back in the day. Like, we're almost coming on 30 years of that, of that mark. That's how much time has gone by and how fast it's going in, in today's era. Um, so I finally got into it, finally started to watch it. I started a couple of weeks before um, the Many Saints New York started this week, and I was hoping to finish it by the time uh, the movie came out so I can catch it, you know, and, and coincide and do like a, a double pod to really maybe bridge the gap on both of them. But right now I'm still currently on season three, and it's a six-season show or seven if I think season six is split into two parts. I haven't really looked at it, the specifics, and I, although I should, uh, I'm into all that stuff. Um, but right now I'm on season three, and my God, folks, this is like top-notch television. There's only a couple of shows that I've watched in my life where I'm like, they may not be my favorites, but they're certainly like the cream of the crop. And I can list them for you right now, and, and in no particular order. Uh, Twin Peaks, The Return. Breaking Bad, uh, I'm going to add this one onto it, The Sopranos. It's just, I haven't finished it yet, but my God, every episode is, is so good. It's so layered. There's a lot of weird stuff in it sometimes, which again is my shit. When it goes into that weird stuff, like I'm totally into that, you know. Um, I mean, this one's hit or miss with people, but like Sons of Anarchy, uh, Seinfeld, you know, all those shows, like my favorites are like Friends and Entourage. Like those are my favorites, favorites, like where I can watch over and over and over. But for as fun as those shows are, like they are nowhere near the level. Uh, I, I'll throw Sons of Anarchy out of there too, even though it's like you know, it, it, it's one of my favorites. But it's not like really up there with like your Breaking Bad's and and your Sopranos and and Twin Peaks. Like this is just like riveting television. It's so like well put together. It's so like just. There's a lot of like freaking nuance to it. And that's what I'm loving about the Sopranos. And not to mention like James Gandolfini. Like I knew there was so much love for him. And I see it, I see it a lot on film Twitter and all that stuff. But now I like, I totally understand it. And not that I never was like wanted to get into the Sopranos or anything. Like I love mafia stuff. Like, you know, I t- I've talked about the Godfather on this pod. Goodfellas. I did a whole like almost three hour pod with Daniel Tucker on it. Like I love these movies. I love this genre. And for some reason, I just never saw The Sopranos. Like, I don't know. Like, I just didn't. 
and people have been telling me about it for years and it wasn't like that i wasn't like eh, whatever it's just i just couldn't get around to it but now like there was a reason to with the movie coming out i was like okay cool now i'm like gonna get like i i'm lazy when it comes to a lot of stuff so i have to be really pushed sometimes and this was the push for me to finally get into the sopranos and i'm like man maybe maybe now like now's a good time that i'm getting invested into it and and i'm gonna take my time with it now like for like the first season i was like kind of trying to speed it but then i'm like wait a minute this is really fucking good like why do i want to rush through this so i'm kind of gonna take my time with it and i know this the many saints in newark is only going to be on hbo max for like 31 days and it, it didn't have a good weekend at the box office i think it only did five million um, so it may not be available by the time, like I'm done with Sopranos, uh, the series, but I'm sure like I- I'll get to the many saints in New York at some point, but I'm just going to enjoy this ride of the Sopranos because it is so fucking good. And James Gandolfini is just like the, the Tony Soprano character is one of the greatest characters I've ever seen on screen. There's just so much to him. He can make you laugh. He can piss you off. He can make you smile like he has this shitty grin whenever he's staring down somebody or, you know, genuinely feeling happy in a scene or whatever. He has this grin and it's so fucking infectious and I'm enjoying the hell out of this show. So I'm going to take my time with it. So if I don't get to talk about the many saints in Newark on this pod, sorry for the Sopranos fans out there that are waiting for this. And I've been getting my feedback on some friends that have seen it, Um, but hopefully I'll get to it soon. But Man, The Sopranos. I'm finally glad it's in my life. This is a top-notch show. And if you've never seen it, and I know a lot of people are starting to discover it now. And again, you don't have to be that type of person like, oh, oh, you're finally seeing it. Like, oh, like whatever. Like you're late to the party. I don't give a shit if I'm late to the party. Like this show is good no matter if you saw it like 10 years ago or if you're seeing it now. Like this is – I think it's going to be a timeless show. And, and there's some stuff that is aged in terms of like 90s. Like you could tell, like this show was made in the right at the turn of the millennium. So like this, that stuff is aged, but like the the story and the nuances and and the poetry and just all the things in there that are are really like make you think a little bit. Like it's not straight up like like yeah, it's a, it's about like a, a mob family and all that stuff. But there, it goes really deep. It goes really like it's really therapeutic. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of nuance, and there's a lot of stuff you can sink your teeth into uh, with all these different characters, and it's just been such a joy to watch. So I had to mention that. So, yeah. So if you, if you, you see me talking like Tony Soprano, you know, just doing all this Italian thing, I'm, I'm starting to do it at work. It's I'm sure it's pissing some of my coworkers off, but uh, I'm having fun with this show. So, you know, that's that. Anyways, let's get to Venom. Let there be carnage. Um. Let me reflect back on the first movie a little bit. I can tell you, like, I don't really remember much. But what I do remember is Tom Hardy being freaking hilarious in the role, being very wacky and out there, and just having a blast. So that made the movie enjoyable. Was it memorable? No. Like I said, I can't even really remember what the story was in the first one other than just him bonding with the, with the symbiote. Like, that's that's the whole sell of the movie, right? It's just his chemistry with with the Venom character and, and him, him like just learning to grasp that he has this this side to him now, right? So they really hammed it up for this movie. They really sold you uh, – it really sells you on just like the buddy cop relationship between Venom and Eddie Brock. 
So that's the majority of what the what the movie is. And then you add in Woody Harrelson as Carnage or Cletus. I forgot what his last name is. You add him in as that character. And Woody Harrelson can also go ham. Woody Harrelson's been around forever and he's one of like uh I guess yeah, you could call him one of the greats. Like he's he can really like just take on any type of role and do different things with it. But what I wanted out of Venom Let There Be Carnage when I first saw that he was gonna be in the role and that they were gonna do the sequel and this is what it was gonna be. I'm like, man, I hope it's just them being fucking weird as shit and just being like super like they know they're above this material, but they're going to play along with it and and, and make the most of it. And it's just wacky. And then when I found out that the movie was going to be only an hour and a half, I was like, holy shit, it's going to be straight to the point. Like, I think the first Venom is like, I want to say like hour 45, maybe hour 50 minutes. And again, these comic book movies are so freaking long for the most part like you look at every marvel movie everyone's like oh, i wonder how long it's gonna be oh i can probably tell you because it's been almost the same minus like endgame and infinity war where they're basically at the two and a half hour mark and it's just like oh some of this stuff is fluff like let me go back to shang chi a little bit like I, I told you i enjoyed that movie but also i i fell asleep for around 10 minutes in that movie and i didn't lose a beat so that just goes to show you a lot of these movies are like over bloated sometimes and it's okay for a movie to be an hour and a half like sometimes i mean look at rocky four and how many people fucking love that movie and it's straight to the point and it's probably the most beloved rocky movie in terms of like f- fan favorite so running time doesn't mean anything um rating doesn't mean anything like logan would have been good whether it was rated r or not because it had a great story in it and, and, and a good wrap-up for hugh jackman as a character so all these goofy like geeks that are always telling me like ah it's gonna be good if it was rated r or it's only an hour. Like when I told uh, some of my coworkers at work, and some of them are like huge Marvel marks. I told them that Venom was going to be an hour and a half, and they're like, "Ah, oh, that's it's going to suck, and it's it, it's not going to flesh out anything." It's like cool. Maybe not everything needs to be fleshed out. Maybe these movies can just be fun and to the point. Like remember, <laughs> remember when we didn't take these movies so seriously? Like, tell me how many times I can tell you probably how many times that I've watched something like Batman Forever. Or Batman and Robin. I can tell you, I will revisit those movies, and I know they're not good. But I'll tell you, it's fun romp, and I will revisit that a hell of a lot more than I will Ant-Man, or Thor the Dark World, or Guardians 2. Like, some of that shit in Marvel, like, it's just so long, and sometimes too, it takes itself too serious sometimes. Like, she's like, trim trim the fat a little bit, tone it down a bit on the seriousness, Not and now thinking about it, Endgame, you could have shaved off some time of that. That thing did not need to be three hours. Like, I love the first part of that movie, but then by the time we get to, like, the final act, and it's like, oh, man, this is taking forever to get to the point. Um, But, yeah, so Venom, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, let's get to it. 90 minutes, it's pure romp. I posted this on Facebook, for those of you that follow me there. It's pure romp. It's straight to the point. There's not really a narrative or a real huge plot to it, And, and... you know, shocker, folks, it, some of these movies really don't need plot. You just need your characters and, you know, some goofy action and be done with it. I think somebody posted on, uh, on my post, like, it didn't really explain much. And it was like, cool, you didn't need to. You have the Venom character. You have Tom Hardy interacting with the symbiote and, and them just being wacky and funny. Michelle Williams pops up for a little bit. She's fine. She's pretty to look at. She's a good actress. But she's here. She's having fun. And it's it's just it's whatever. It's just she knows she's above the material, but she's going along with it. Same here for Woody Harrelson. Like, 
there's not really much to it. The guy's a serial killer and he gets engulfed in some of the symbiote and he turns into this carnage character and he's like, well, not, not, not a lot is explained in this movie. He's a serial killer. There's a part in this movie where Woody Harrelson goes into a gas station and he just fucking beats the shit out of a gas station clerk for like no reason. But it's like, that's what the character is. Like he has no good deeds to do. He's just going to like, you know, pun intended he's just gonna unleash carnage everywhere and he's just gonna be he's gonna do bad guy things and kill people and you got this venom character that's like struggling to you know whether he wants to be a hero and he also wants to eat people and eat bad guys and he's having that conflict with with tom hardy's eddie brock and and they struggle with their relationship it's all i needed like i didn't need this to be extended to a two hour and 15 minute movie where we're getting like this huge backstory on, on Carnage and, you know, the dragged out relationship between Venom and uh, Eddie Brock. And, you know, you know, a little bit of spoilers here. They break up at some point this week. It's, it's a freaking bro. It's a bro story. It's a bromance. You know, it's a buddy cop story. It's, you know, these two opposites, but yet they're connected through, through chemistry and they're symbiotic. They're a match together. So that's the whole point of the movie. Like, and it's straight it's it just reminded me how these movies used to just be fun trash and they didn't try to be all epic all the time and try to be the, like they think they're the godfather and and citizen kane or something like that you know like where we know that's pure like ultimate cinema like sometimes these okay if you want to do that with some of your comic book movies like you know your your avengers your your captain america's cool but sometimes they could just be fun trash. And that's what this Venom movie is. It's not good. It's not a good movie. Like if you're telling me like a straight up like, oh man, this thing's, it's so deep. It's so like, there's just so many layers to it and so much you can unpack. Like, no, it's just fucking a movie you can just enjoy for 90 minutes. You want to get away for a little bit and just sit there and like just be engulfed by this insanity that's happening on the screen. Like, cool. It works. It works. And uh, it felt very 90s to me. Uh, just very, it just made me reflect on movies like Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. When these movies just, they were popular. These, these movies have always been, always been popular. But back when we just didn't, they didn't have to be so serious. And that's fine. And guess what, folks? I think the first Venom movie, if I go back and look at the box office numbers for this, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to make this comparison because I need to know if, uh, whether this grew because you know obviously the first venom movie opened huge and nobody thought right because it's not it's not made from mcu it's sony and they don't know what they're doing man only the mcu disney can do no wrong and we saw we're seeing how evil disney is right you know they're suing to keep the rights of the avengers and all that stuff you know disney doesn't care about you but anyways so the first venom movie this is pre-pandemic opens to 80 million now I thought, okay, the sequel, right? Uh, I know a lot of people didn't like the first one. I heard it a lot. Like, a lot of people didn't like it. I didn't like the movie. Like the movie overall is nothing, but I like Tom Hardy in the role. Like and sometimes that's enough to make like a franchise. Like we all know Transformers was good for a while. Like when Shia LaBeouf is in the movie, Megan Fox, you know, the movies are trash. They're not good, but it, it was, it was just fun romp, even though that one did try to take itself seriously at points. But anyways, we come to Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Pandemic! And this thing grosses more than the original movie. 90 million. Now, will it top out and 
make more than the first movie? I'm not sure. But you clearly there's something here, right? Like clearly the audience is enjoying Tom Hardy's version of this character. Now, obviously I work at a movie theater and I like to listen to a lot of opinions and you know, I'm I'm a very good listener. You know, it's a, it's a, a a lot of people won't understand about me is that I really am a good listener. And not and I don't I don't mean to eavesdrop, but if they're talking about movies at work, like whether it's between guests or even coworkers, like I'll I'll like secretly just listen to see see how they're reacting. And there were people coming out of this movie and they were like, you know, a lot of people were like, yeah, that was, that was fun and funny or whatever. But then you got people like, you know, the serious people, right, that take it all serious, right? These movies, all these comic book movies now have to be serious. It has to be, it has to be exactly how it was in the pages of the book. And you had this, uh, you had this one guy who was like, oh, man, Venom Venom was never like like this in the comic books and they're not doing it justice to the freaking comic books. Well, then go read the fucking comic book because something is obviously working in the movie version. Because if it wasn't, then this movie doesn't open higher than the original. It would have steeped off bad. Now, we saw that happen earlier this summer or late summer with the Suicide Squad where it opened huge. The first movie did tremendous, unbelievable business. But nobody liked that movie. And then even though the second one was better and it was well well like it was a better made movie but nobody gave a shit and nobody came out to see it but there's something here with this venom like they sony's got something here with this character and the movies are not reflective like they're not they're not this like artistic masterful masterpiece but there's something there with tom hardy that people are enjoying out of this and i'm gonna spoil this only because only because i'm excited of where it's gonna go so obviously this is Marvel. There's always like the end credit scene. And Sony has kind of started their own little thing, right? Their own little universe and connectivity. There's this movie, folks, called Morbius. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have forgotten but about it by now. I think it's going to release like in January if or whenever the fuck it releases. It's got Jared Leto in it. And it's part of this Venom world, right? This this The Venomverse, I guess I'm going to call it. Even though it's all part of the Spider-Man mythos. Um so he's going to be involved with it somehow. And the the stinger for this movie, and again, spoilers, if you haven't seen it yet, I apologize. If you really wanted to see this movie, you would have gone out and seen it this week. And, and if you haven't and you get spoiled, I'm sorry. I apologize. But in the mid credit scene of this movie, I'm not going to explain the details of it, but I'm just going to show you who, who pops up. And it's Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Not like in, in physical form next to next to Eddie Brock and Venom. But he comes out on the television screen, so it's acknowledged that he now exists in that part of the world. And I gotta tell you folks, and this may be a hot take, and I don't give a shit if this pisses off people, but I am so excited, so much more excited for whatever that version of Spider-Man is going to do in this Venom world, as opposed to what he's gonna do in the Disney MCU. With like, I don't give a shit of Spider-Man conversing with Doctor Strange, even though that's what we're gonna see in Spider-Man no way out in december i'm more excited to see him interact with tom hardy's venom and uh i think michael keaton they're gonna keep him because again the spider-man movies that are coming out they're still being released by sony but they're working together with disney but you know if i'm sony man i'm like let's let's ride this wave and now that venom is the sequel has done major business like let's get the ball rolling and 
and them doing this stinger here it's like okay we got our spider we got this spider-man now sucked into this world let's do something with it so and now that guarantees you that the next venom movie is going to be even crazier and wilder if they're able to get uh tom holland as spider-man in it and let's see what other wackiness they can do in an hour and a half possibly that would be great Nah, I really would like to see a Spider-Man Venom collaboration here. At least be two hours. Doesn't have to be two and a half hours, but it can be two hours. I'll I'll settle for that. Old Old Man Palace is okay with a two-hour Venom Spider-Man movie and Morbius and whatever the whatever the fuck it is that they're gonna do and with this Sony world, the Venomverse. I'm gonna call it the Venomverse. Like this this guy's doing it. And Eminem's back, not as the main singer of the song in the credits, but he's in the song, so. We, they, they got a little universe going here in the Sony world, and not everything has to be MCU and Disney. They're not the only ones that can do it. Again, DC's doing their own thing. They're trying to be, go back to more solo-based franchises, even though the, flat, the, the Flash movie is going to have a lot of Batman in it. But they're trying to be different. So let, let's see what comes of this Venom thing. And I'm super excited of where it's going to go next. And again... If you're asking me for a recommendation, oh, pals, what's a good movie? What's a good movie? I'm pretty sure it's The Many Saints of Newark. Or, you know, if you're into just character, like small stuff, dramas. You know, I also saw Cry Macho a few weeks ago with my dad, with Clint Eastwood. And it's a harmless movie, but it's a nice little, like, character movie. If you're sick of seeing, like, CGI and all that stuff, if you want to just see, you know, actors act in, in real settings and all that stuff, you know, like earlier this summer, I saw Stillwater with Matt Damon, where it was just like, it was just people acting in real locations and all that stuff, and they didn't need all the flash. Like those movies are good too, and they're needed. So if you're if you're asking me that, like you want to see a good movie, like go check out stuff like that. But if you're like, hey, pals, what's going to entertain me this week? What can I go watch that's like not going to take up? Not, I'm not going to waste my whole day on it, but it's something for me to get away for just a little bit. Go watch Venom. Let there be carnage. It's fun trash. Again, I put the word trash because I know it's not good, but it's at least entertaining. I wasn't bored with it. Now there are people that are like, oh, I was bored with it. I fell asleep. It's freaking 90 minutes. How could you fall asleep? Like it breezes by. I don't get that part of it, but, you know, to each their own. I'm not going to fault them for that. I enjoyed it for what it was. I know what this is. Now what are they going to do with it with the Spider-Man thing looming? That's the interesting part of it. And Tom Hardy seems to be all in on this thing you know i didn't know he he came up with the story for this movie i don't think he wrote it he didn't have anything to do with the screenplay but he came up with the idea of the story and i was reading more behind the scenes stuff on it he was you know whenever he wasn't on set or didn't need to be he at least showed up to make sure things were going right so he's invested in this character and in this world and now he's got the box office success behind it as well so you gotta you got a franchise here folks like whether you like it or not, Venom is here to stay. And I, I'm sure like the little MCU fan geeks, the Marks, they're probably mad. They're like, man, we wish like Kevin Feige had the hands on Venom and, and all this stuff. But no, Sony can do whatever they want. Like they can do the, let them do this thing and it's fucking working, right? It's making money. So that's that. That's Venom Let the Be Carnage. Fun, trashy, romp, very 90s, hip-hop soundtrack. How can you not like that? But that's just me. Let me know what you guys think. Let's take one final break. And when we come back, 
I have to talk about this, okay, folks? I, I'm, I was going to save it for the SM Football Marks show coming up tomorrow, but I have to talk about the return that happened on Sunday. Brady, Belichick, Foxborough, the Bucks versus Patriots. I will discuss that when we come back to wrap up this episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. I am telling the truth. I want him to answer for what he has done. Turn this man I request a duel to the death. The accusation is false. What happened to me is wrong. No, it's a Confess! The last duel. We did our only in theaters. Welcome back to the show, folks. And uh, just real quickly, want before we wrap things up here, uh, thank you for joining me today. Um, I have to talk about this uh, very tough subject for me. So as you know, I am a seven-time Super Bowl champion. Um, I have enjoyed this incredible ride with the New England Patriots and have continued to ride it to the day I die. I'm a Patriots fan. I've been a Patriots fan before Brady and Belichick. So if you want to check me on that, fine, you can. But it, it, I know my own truth, and I've been a fan before. I lucked into them, and it's been an incredible ride. I am also a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Uh, I have... You know, I have family in Florida that can attest to that. And, you know, I've met John Gruden. I've met uh, Josh Freeman when he was a quarterback back in the day. You know, I was there for the Dungy era. I, I they, there's This has been way before Brady came. And, again, everyone's going to check me on it, can call me a bandwagoner. I know my own truth. So I'm the only person who's allowed to have two teams being the G-Fote. And for those of you that don't know what the G-Fote is, that's the greatest fan of all time. So I have earned that right. And this past weekend was billed as the return. It was Tom Brady, who now plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, returning to Foxborough in New England to face the Patriots, his old team, and the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick. I was a wreck the entire week. I had this game circled on my calendar. I knew it was going to be a rough week it was in the build-up to it. And there's there was a lot of jabbing back and forth from the media. You know, some bashing Brady, some bashing Belichick. And I didn't want to hear any of it because I respect both people immensely. I respect both franchises so much. And uh, when it comes down to it, they both have mutual respect for each other is it perfect are there going to be bickering and and arguments who doesn't go through that freaking families go through it all the time friends go through it all the time nothing is ever perfect but the patriots patriots dynasty was the closest thing to it and something we probably will never see again in sports like we'll see dynasties here and there but the longevity of the Patriots dynasty is such an incredible mark. And um, there's this book that's going to come out by Seth Wickersham. And it's going to be called It's Better to Be Feared. And it's about behind-the-scenes stuff of the Patriots dynasty over the 20 years. Now, whether most of it is, you know, fact is, you know, you get to make your own judgment on that. You know, Brady knows the real story. Belichick knows the real story. Only those real guys know, you know, their own story, right? And maybe one day we'll get like one of those 30 for 30s. There was one they did, I believe it was before Super Bowl 52, 
and it was about Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. They used to be like coaches together for the New York Giants. He was uh, Parcells was the head coach, and um, Belichick was the defensive coordinator. And you know there was rocky. There was a rocky relationship, you know. But they had a lot of success. Also, they won Super Bowls. Um, and you know they had to sit down in this thirty for thirty special. They hashed things, some things out, and you know everything's all well in there. And you know Brady and Belichick respect each other, and I'm sure there's a there's a friendship there that they're not going to make public, but it's there. I mean they were they did this for over twenty years. Like you don't do something like this in sports if if you don't like the person like if it was all like hatred and jealousy and whatever like some people want to make it out to be th- this would not have lasted 20 years so you know the media is going to overhype things and it's good for the narrative it's good for the commercials it's good for NBC you know they hype this thing with a fucking Adele song that brought a tear to my eye with the song hello and it was just like man I'm so torn anyways this game was Sunday night. You know, I had gear all over the place. You know, I wore Patriots uh, Nike shoes. I had my Brady socks on. I had my Tampa Bay Bucks shirt underneath. And then I had my Tom Brady Michigan jersey. I couldn't even choose a Bucks or Pats jersey to wear because I really was conflicted. You know, I was going for both teams. I wanted them both to be successful. And I got exactly what I wanted. You know, when you're a good fan, when you're the GFO, like the football gods just take care of you. Now, my fear was that this thing was going to be a blowout, you know, on either end, which would have been bad for for either. But it was a freaking close game all the way to the end. And it took a missed doinked field goal by the Patriots. And Brady narrowly escaped with a victory. But it wasn't like he played well either. Like, I can admit that. Like, he played awful in this game. But that was to be expected. If you're a true fan of football and you follow all this stuff, like, what what did you expect? Did you not think that Bill Belichick, the greatest coach to ever do it, who saw Brady play at practice every single freaking day and had his defense play against him in scrimmages and all that stuff, you don't think he was going to have a game plan ready for Tom Brady and, you know, just rough, not rough him up, but at least, like, get him off his game and he wasn't going to be, like, this tremendous you know quarterback we've been seeing the last couple of weeks here mvp caliber like like he didn't have an mvp like game yesterday but that was to be expected like i saw that coming like this is it was a total bill belichick game but it was fun that it was close all the way like it had me like with the highest of anxiety because i didn't want either of his teams to lose if it could have ended in a tie i would have lived with it with it <laughs> it would have been like cool it's cool drama uh this game ended up becoming the second most watched Sunday night football game ever. And the first one, folks, was back in 2012. That's the one who still holds the record. Now I won't mention the teams because we know who they are, but whatever. Um, but since 2012, there has not been a game on Sunday night football as highly rated as the one we saw Sunday night between Brady's Buccaneers and Belichick's Patriots. And, uh, I mean... It doesn't score those ratings if it was a boring game, right? I mean, huh. If something's boring, you flip the channel. But I don't know. A lot of people tuned into this fucking game. And it was great. And it was exciting. But boy, oh boy, am I glad that it's over because it was nerve-wracking. And it was it was tough to watch because, you know, you, you want them both to succeed. But one has to win 
and the other has to lose. But the Patriots, although they lost, saw a lot of good stuff. The defense looked great. Mac Jones did not shrink in the moment. Yes, he threw a pick, and I think I think the Patriots also fumbled too. But Mac Jones really could have like just been a nothing in this game, and he he delivered. He played well. Um, the the Bucks defense is certainly something to be worried about, and there was people that went out in this game, and it's like, oh man, now more people are getting banged up, and it's like you're going to rely too much on Tom Brady in the offense. Is that going to be enough to overcome everything? I don't know how long some of these injuries are. Like Jason Pierre-Paul didn't play. Gronk didn't play, fractured ribs, uh, punctured lung, I think, or a pinch to the lung, something like that. So that's not good. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting got hurt in the first game of the season. Uh, Winfield, I think, is in concussion protocol. Um, they they signed Richard Sherman, which I had my thoughts on that, but I'll save it for, for the Football March show tomorrow. I'll, I'll go more into depth on that. Um so the defense is struggling for the Bucks right now. So I'm a little worried about them. And obviously they already lost their first game of the season to the Rams. Um, so the undefeated thing is out of the question. But the Bucks don't have as hard of a schedule now until they face, I think, the I think the Buffalo Bills they play this season. So that'll be another big test for them. But a lot of good from the Patriots loss and a lot of question marks out of this uh, Buccaneers victory. So, But again... We're barely in the start of October, so we won't know until Thanksgiving rolls around. Like, who are the real contenders? Because there's a lot of football to be played until we get to that point. And who knows? I mean, again, luck really does play into it. Like, you know, if Tom Brady were to go down next week or whatever, you know, God forbid and knock on wood, like, that would probably be it. The Bucks have stand no chance, as talented as they are. You know, luck does play into it. What what worked for the Bucks, although they had a so-so like record last year, was that they were completely healthy in the latter part of the year. Uh, the offense got it going. Right, Brady finally like clicked, and, and and they knew what they needed to do, and they knew the offense that they needed to be in order to to win games. And then the defense just continuously got better up until the point where like when they reached the Super Bowl, like that's when they finally unleashed and were like at their peak potential so again it's all about momentum it's all about like how you are in the latter part of the season i know teams can gloat like here in the early stages when they're like a three and oh or a three and one but it's like i want to see how you are in november thanksgiving time post thanksgiving actually and we're gonna see what's what so you know i'm not gonna pound my chest on either of this stuff like the bucks are three and one like i'm happy but worried uh but our patriots are one and three but there's a lot of good that came out of that game, so hopefully they build off that. Um, but you'll hear more about this tomorrow on the SM Football Marks podcast. Uh, Jake Ramirez returns. I can't fucking wait. Um, I'm going to unleash tomorrow because there's a lot to unleash. I was gone last week uh, for personal reasons, um, but uh, I'm back, and it's going to be a fun show tomorrow, a lot of stuff to talk about. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Venom Let There Be Carnages in theaters now. Go check it if you haven't. It's fun. Hour and a half. And now it's time to move forward to James Bond and No Time to Die. We'll see how that goes. Um, I wasn't a fan of Spectre, the last movie. I thought it was boring as shit. I wanted to walk out of that movie. Um, so this one has to really deliver for me to be like, yeah, James Bond, is this 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 version of it is 
I hope it ends on a high note. Skyfall was one of the best Bond movies I've ever seen. And that was, of course, with Daniel Craig back in 2000. I, think, I forget what year that movie's from. I think it's 2012. Um, so, yeah, it's been long delayed. This movie was supposed to come out, like, before the pandemic started. So there, there's a wait there in anticipation. But, again, it's a three-hour run time of a movie. So we'll see if that hurts the box office. And people are going to go see it, but we'll see, we'll see what the, what the audience is like this weekend at work. But, uh, you'll probably get my thoughts on it next week. And again, tune in tomorrow for the SM football marks, uh, all NFL as we get ready for week five. And you can catch this podcast on Spotify, search Palace off the top rope, hit that follow button. I'd greatly appreciate it. I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the app. You can listen there. You can actually listen on Facebook now. I actually connected my actual uh, uh, podcast account to Facebook. So you can literally listen to it straight out of the Palace Off the Top Row page on Facebook. So I I noticed that it finally, uh, it finally like, you know, all got together and they all loaded. So it's there now for your listening pleasure. Listen on your car ride to work to school you're dropping off the kid well i don't know <laughs> might not want to have the kids listen i do it these episodes some of these episodes do have language in it so uh be careful on that but <laughs> uh, other than that if you're solo by yourself at the gym listen to this i know brandon mclaughlin likes to listen while he's on the, the treadmill or lifting some weights whatever he does you know cl- clanging and banging um yeah just uh Take the listen to it. I really appreciate it. I'm continuously trying to grow this thing and see how far I can reach it. I'm going to try to start reaching out to some uh, celebrities or inquire about how how I can interview people or how, how that works. I know I'm not like, you know, super – I like I wouldn't get media credentials or anything like that. But I would like to work my way to that. You know, that's the whole point of growth in this podcast is to just reach it out to more people and if I can land somebody to interview or whatever, even if it's just like for five minutes, like I at least have that hook, right, to bring people to listen. So I'm going to try that, see see uh, what avenues I can go down and uh, who I got to talk to to try to get something like that done. I'm, you know, I'm always wanting to learn more. So I follow a lot of different podcast hosts and see what they do and their strategies. I've reached out to them directly through like messaging and see like, Hey, what do I got to do to get better? For the most part, I I get good advice and sometimes I get blown off, but you know, whatever. It's a competitive thing, right? Like everybody's got a podcast and you know, everybody's got their opinions and there's just, there's just so much content out there. And, um, I'm happy for those of you that have taken the time to, to listen to this. I really truly appreciate it. Again, I would have been happy if, uh, five people listen to this show and I've, I'm, I'm always at, at 5,000 like downloads of this show and, and all that stuff. So keep it coming folks. Like I know some people knock me and like your show's boring or whatever. I have my haters out there, but I know, I know they're listening. They're listening. So it, I, I'm, I'm getting the views or, or the listen. So I'll take it good or bad. Uh, I've decided to put my voice out there in the world. So I have to be ready for any type of feedback good or bad and i learned from the best from tom brady you know i know how to i know how to block the noise out but i know how to dish it as well so um you can also follow this podcast on apple Podcasts if you're an apple person subscribe there give me the five-star review just so i can grow in rankings um 
whatever. <laughs> Give me reviews, good or bad, whatever. I like to listen to all feedback. Like I'm not above it. I'm not one of those that gets butt hurt if you say like this show is trash or whatever. It's like, well, how about you instead of telling me it's trash, you tell me why it is and how I can get better and become a better asset to the podcast world. That's the whole point. It's to learn and grow. And again, I just I love talking about all this stuff: wrestling, football, movies, pop culture. It's all fun. I'm even. I've got some musicians at work. You know, they they want to come on this and discuss music. I need to expand and broaden my horizons and and, you know music's part of the pop culture landscape so hopefully i'll get them on and we can discuss uh different types of music and you know whatever they want to this is always an open invite show if you want to reach out to me and come and talk about something or be a guest host or or whatever i'm always up for it and uh yeah that's gonna do it for this episode thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you next week for no time to die in the aftermath of how it does the box office so Until then, take care and God bless you.